Hello, my name is Bralador and this is Plainly Speaking with Baggy and Bralador and this is episode 16. Episode 15, which was the last episode, we began a journey which we called Who is Jesus? And um, last episode was just an uh, introduction into a series that we are going into. Now, in today's episode, we are taking a walk with Jesus and the two guys on the road to Emmaus to see that Jesus is the Christ. So it's going to be a wonderful time as we um, examine this from scriptures and just go around this. And I believe that this would be a strong blessing and a great listen for you. Let's dive right in. Every push, every study of scriptures, everything that the disciples did or they ministered on, this is Paul's message in, um, in Acts 28. This is Paul's message to the Jews in Acts 28. In Acts 28, he says, so when they had... He explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, yeah. persuading them concerning Jesus, both from the laws of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. He was persuading them concerning Jesus from the laws of law of Moses and the prophets. If you check your Bible, if you click there, if it's the Hebrew, if there's a Hebrew of Acts, what yeah. you see there's the Torah and the Nevim. And so how can Paul be persuading them concerning Jesus from Moses and the prophet? And then we cannot do it. <laughs> no, I want to be able to do that. I want that that's my intention. I want to persuade people about Jesus from the Old Testament. I want to be able to do that because that's what the apostles did. Wow. That's the reason why they know of the riches of Christ more than we do. Because the riches of the Christ is it's abundantly explained in the Old Testament. Abundantly explained. It's why Jesus was... Mo- okay, let's go this. Let's go to Luke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's look 24. Your favorite part. Huh? <laughs> Luke 24. <laughs> you love Luke 24. 24. I love Luke 24. Luke 24 is one of my... 24. No, no, I don't want to go to 44. I'm just do the early part. Early like part, um, okay. The road of Emmaus. Okay. The road of the Emmaus road. So you can do from 13 down to 27. Okay. Or do you want to jump, jump? No, no, no. Or we can cool. just be breaking down the, com- yeah. um, come breaking down the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other, with, with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing. Do you know something about Emmaus? Yeah. Do you know something about Emmaus? Do you know yeah. why Emmaus is that we're going down Emmaus? There was this battle that happened in 1640. In once in... 164 BC or so. Okay. It's called Battle of Emmaus. You can read it up. Yeah. It's where the Maccabees stood to fight against okay. the Hellenistic Empire and the Greek the Greek Empire or the Greek Empire's influence in Jerusalem. You know, that's when the Maccabees had their fight in Emmaus. So this was a statement of they were going back because this one we followed was not the Christ. Yeah. So we are going back to keep continuing our struggle of the redemption of Israel. Yeah. Because the one we thought would redeem Israel was not him. Mm. So they called Emmaus the stronghold of the zealot. Oh. It's amazing. It's like, <laughs> like, okay, the battle of Emmaus, that's you find that in Maccabees. It says, um, this is the funny thing about that battle. It says, when King Antic, um, um, Antiochus, Antiochus, when King Antiochus the fourth, 
head of the defeat at, the defeat at Beethoven, he pledged additional support to wipe out even the memories of the Jews from that place. Antiochus was preoccupied with the revolt in the east. Yeah. He did manage to send a large army into Judea under the command of Gogos, which is about 40,000 infantry and 7,000 cavalry. Gogos set up his main camp at Emmaus, which sits at the western gateway of the hill country. All bets were on the Greek at this point. Traders came out to purchase Jewish slaves. That's the kind of bets that they placed. Oh. Like Samuel had done before, Judas, this is Judas of Maccabees, gathered his forces at Mispah in the hill country, and Gogos ascended the hill to make a surprise attack on Judas at night. He found Judas' camp empty and assumed the Jews had taken flight. But Judas had moved down and camped just south of the main Greek camp at Emmaus. Attacking Emmaus at daybreak, he put the Greeks to flight towards Gazara, Germania, Azotus, and Udumie. It was amazing. And this was about, this was between, I think it was 167 to 164 there. That was the Battle of Emmaus. And so this day, returning to Emmaus was because this fight, this fight of the Maccabees, yeah. Was because in their revolt, they were revolting against, you know, when, when Daniel. So that's why some people say that um, Daniel 11 happened in um, in the time of um, before Jesus came. This around this time period, because we have Antichrist yeah. the fourth and everything that he did. But the thing is, Jesus Christ actually still put Daniel in front. Yeah. So Jesus Christ talked about the abomination of religion, which is still ahead. But there's a sense in which a pattern of that had happened. And Antichos was the act, was the figure. Because what had happened during that period was when the Greeks took over, when the Greeks took over the land of Israel, which was was in the beginning, it was really it was peaceful. And most Jews in Judea did not really oppose Alexander the Great, and some even served in his armies for roughly 120 years following Alexander's death. You know, Judea was actually ruled from Egypt by the Ptolemic Greeks. The transition of the Hebrew Bible into Greek, that's the Septuagint we have, happened yeah. during that time period, between the 280 to 250 BC, which is evidence of the overall good relations between the Jews and the Gentile of the Ptolemic rulers of Judea. However, in 200 BC, this, this, the Seleucid the the Greeks, whose capital was in Antioch of Syria, became the new rulers of Judea following a decisive battle at Panias near Mount Hermon. With Seleucid rule came a new this in policy towards the Jews. The novelty of the Jews as nations of philosophers war of the Seleucid king, Antichus, the Epiphanes of the, the fourth, set about to destroy Judaism and Hellenize Judea. Circumcision, the Sabbath, the keeping and the reading of the Bible were punishable by death, while Hellenistic thoughts and culture were promoted in Judea, in Judea via Greek schools, which are called gymnasiums. In, 16, in 167 BC, Antichus stripped the Jerusalem temple of his treasures, forbade sacrifices to Yahweh, and sacrificed a pig to Zeus on the altar. Oh. A Greek army fortress was built in Jerusalem, and the name of the city was changed to Antiochia. So that's when um, this event of the the events of the Hasmonean revolt are documented in the book first in the Maccabees. So what you see, the Seleucid officials came to Modine, a town in the northern Judean. Um, to enforce the king's Hellenizing policy, to prove their loyalty, Jews were to sacrifice to the Greek gods. So this guy, Matatias, a Jew of priestly descent and a patriarch of the Hasmonean family, refused to make the sacrifice. When another Jew stepped up to do so, Matatias killed both him and the king's officials. Thus began the Hasmonean revolt. 
For the first year, Matthias and his five sons, John, Simon, Judas, Eleazar, and Jonathan, found refuge in remote places in the wilderness and the hill country of southern Samaria. Jews of anti-Hellenistic persuasion joined them. They defended themselves against the Greeks and attacked the Jews who went along with Hellenizing plans. The Hasmonean revolt, especially in its early stages, was a civil war. Thus, the Torah-believing Jews against the Hellenized Jews. And so, then Judas the Maccabees, Judas, the, we call Judas the Maccabee. Maccabee simply just means hammer. You know, Judah, the hammer. God just used him to go through the land and he just became a terror to the, to mm-hmm. the Greeks. He became a terror to the Greeks. And so, the, so, he even felt he was the Christ, actually. Yeah. But the problem with his image of the Christ was he did not come from the line of David. That is how much the scripture confounds all your estimation of. And so, because he did not come from the line of David, he could not have been the Christ. Christ, yeah. He could not have been it. You know, I think he came from the tribe of Simeon or something like that. You know, of what well, was a priestly descent. We could always could always look that up. So, this statement of they were back on the road to Emmaus is quite revealing. Yeah. Okay, so we continue. I just want to just put that inside here. Because we're all learning, so let's yeah. enjoy ourselves. Okay. And that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know these things or know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man no, who was... No, no, no. no. Yeah. no so, so, so I will continue. But yeah. you see what he says. He says, when yeah. he says, Why are you having this kind of conversation? You're, you're on his NIV, Abby? Um, ESV, I was using, yeah. Okay, you're using ESV. Okay, yeah. He says, As you walk, and they stood still looking sad. They were sad. Yeah. And so he was not sad. And that's when they began to talk about, don't you know about what has happened these days? And he's saying, what things? It's not as if he doesn't know what things, but it's not, your sadness is not the appropriate response to what has happened. What has happened? Yeah. But because of their view of things, that was the reason why they were sad. It's just amazing to see that. Just continue. I just want yeah. to just point that out. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a, who, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and a word before God and all the people, and her chief priest. So, just just to even yeah. interject into this, they saw Jesus as a prophet. Yes. Mighty indeed. That's what they saw. So, mighty indeed and word. and word. That's the same way they describe Moses. <laughs> If you check, if you check Acts in Acts yeah. chapter seven, that's the exact words yeah. that um, this guy, what's his name, um, Stephen, used to describe Moses, a prophet mighty did that word, words. and he said the same thing. He said the same thing. Means that he says a thing, he comes to pass. Pass. And he acts a thing, and he does strange. So he was mighty. He's a prophet mighty, and this is how they call him. They call him Jesus of Nazareth. Of Nazareth. Yeah. So it's not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not his name. It's not his name. Yeah. And now our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped 
that he was the one to redeem Israel. So yeah. underline that place. Yeah. Underline that place. There's something about the Christ. Yeah. That is tied to the redemption of Israel. Israel, yeah. yeah. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not okay, so, 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 yeah. so, 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 yeah. so, so, this is, this is Jesus entering the meat of the Jews. Because yeah. all they are saying here is, this is all they are saying. If you yeah. just analyze what they were saying. Yeah. They were saying this Jesus, mighty in words and words. Prophet, yeah. Our chief priests are wrong. Yeah. Our chief priests were absolutely wrong. Yeah. Our chief priest, now chief priest is not high priest. Yeah. Um, because priests used to retire when they are 50 years old. Yeah. The high priest, they stay in office till they die. Yeah. But the chief priest stays in office. The chief priest, normal priest, you rule for, you start off work when you are 30, you resign when you are 50. But then when you are 50, you begin to teach the next generation of Levites and priests how to do the work. And so because of your old age and the number of things, you become, you come into the clan of chiefs of priests. So you are a chief priest. So you say called chief priest. Now the worker, they work with the high priest in a sense. Now the reason why Jesus' system had two high priests was because um, if you read the historical accounts, uh, Ananias was yeah. the first high priest, but he was removed, disposed by the king or Herod. Or so he was disposed by Herod, and so Caiaphas was appointed. Yeah. And Caiaphas, so Caiaphas was, was, his son, was his son-in-law. Was his son-in-law. So yeah, yeah, he was appointed. Yeah. You know, and so the Jews still recognize Ananias as high priest, but the system did not recognize him anymore because they have removed him and they put Caiaphas. And so there was that's why there was. Like that dual high priest, high priest. Okay. And so when you're saying the ch- our chief priest means the Sanhedrin had condemned him that's what we see the Sanhedrin had condemned him and so so they say he's a prophet but our Sanhedrin condemned him to death and like he died and so to them we have lost the hope of Israel because yeah. we believed he's the one who would have redeemed Israel and so even of what God would have done the person cannot die now yeah this cannot die. If God's yeah. plan, he cannot die. If he die. God's plan will be fulfilled for Israel, then this guy cannot die. <laughs> he cannot die the way you he know, even died. Sir. <laughs> well, that was even, that's why we will complicate the matter, sir, because that one is even... Because when they say they crucified him, means it is they even put that one there, sir. Yes. Because so cost is every man that hangs on the tree. tree yeah. So they condemned him and they crucified him. But we were hoping he would redeem Israel. I said, he said, and indeed... Besides all this, today is the third day. So besides all this, this thing we're talking about now, three days have passed. Now they are sad. Yeah. And then some women are coming with stupid stories that uh, he's risen from the dead. They saw an angel. And there's a certain of, of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, empty. But him, we did not see. <laughs> so we don't care about the angels. We did not see him. And so to see what Jesus says, he says, Oh fools, and slow of heart to be, believe all that the prophets have spoken. So the issue is not that they did not believe what the prophet has spoken. The issue is that they did not believe all, all. the prophets have spoken. Yeah. That's where the problem is. 
Now the prophet, he is the one to redeem Israel. Yes. But the problem is you do not believe all that the prophets have spoken. And so in our journey through the scriptures, we will see all that the prophet had spoken. And we would be on the assignment that Paul was on when Paul began to tell persuade them concerning Jesus through all the prophets and through the laws of Moses. Because this is what Jesus says next. If you read 26, you can read 26. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Himself. So the problem was that they did not believe all that the prophet had spoken. spoken. And so he was asking them, I like the way the King James says, it says, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and then to enter into glory? Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things? Ah, why are you making it look as if this is not what the Christ should have suffered? suffered yeah. Is it not there in the prophet? <laughs> How can you say these things disqualify this Jesus as the Christ? Because they don't know that he's the one. Yeah. And so they are talking about the Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet mighty in words and, and deed. And so he's making a defense for the Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. <laughs> and so if they believe he is the Christ, if they believe that that Jesus was the Christ, who has died now? And they say he cannot be the Christ because he has died. And so this stranger who is walking with them is saying, wait, 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 wait. According to our scriptures, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things before entering into his glory? It's, I don't know, I'm just enjoying this. <laughs> you know because, yeah. because the problem is, is not that Jesus is not everything he said he is. The problem is that we don't want to believe him to be everything that he, he said, said he is. He is yeah. it's that we carry an idea of God that is not him. Yeah. And we enthrone our idea of God. It becomes idolatry. That is detached from God's revelation of himself. It's how people tell me things like, um, that, um, oh no, Jesus is not, doesn't, Jesus is not wicked. Jesus will not kill. I say, you are joking. No? <laughs> what did he tell that servant that says, I know you are a wicked master? He said, I will be wicked to you. Jesus is unapologetic. Unapologetic. He said, I'm not wicked to you. What did he say to those ones that said they will not submit themselves to him? He says, bring them before me and cut their neck. No, I'm saying, I'm saying he will do what needs to be done when the time is right. And so what we need is to get a healthy and objective picture of the Christ. Of the Christ, yeah. So that we see who Jesus is. Because when Paul was explaining Jesus to the Jews, he was explaining Jesus not from the Gospels, yeah. but from the laws and the prophets. So that when we begin to rightly esteem him, what would happen is that our Christianity will be truly Christ-like. Christ-like, yeah. You know, I hear people tell me, oh, how God is not, um, the God of the Old Testament is kind of wicked, but the God of the New Testament is love. I said, then, do you read Revelation? <laughs> and they said, no, that, um, I, they don't think Jesus is, because in Revelation, you hear Jesus Christ tell a church, yeah. if you don't shape up, I'll take away your lampstand. Yeah. You hear him now. Remember, I told those the, the Jezebel, that woman, that prophetess. Yes. 
She says, I will kill you on the bed of adultery. I will kill you on your bed. I will put you in the bed of sickness and I will kill you. She says, I've given you a chance to repent. If you do not repent, I will put you in the bed of sickness and I will kill you. That you will know I am the one who judges the secrets of men by whom all actions are weighed. That's what Jesus was saying. And so, where is this idea that Jesus doesn't, sin doesn't matter? It's because we have read into Jesus what is inconsistent by the analysis of the Christ. Yeah. We have romanticized the view of Christ, of Jesus, that is inaccurate by the testimony of Scripture. So, so this man who they did not know that is Jesus began a journey with them when he began to show them that this Jesus that died three days ago he's still the Christ. The problem is that is the problem is that you do not believe all that the prophet spoke about him. And so the hope of your the Christ you have been thinking about, eh? The problem you're having is that what you think the Christ will do and how the Christ will do it is faulty because you have not chosen to believe all that the prophet spoke about him. That's what the issue is. And so he said, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things? Not another thing, no. He says these things. Just the way, just the way you said it. He said the, the, the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to, condemned death, to death. And they crucified him. him. And then he says, Ought not the Christ to have suffered this particular thing? And the question you ask is, I, I don't understand. No. Why should yeah. they condemn the Christ to death? Yeah. Why should they be crucified? And then Jesus begins from Moses. Wow. <laughs> begins, he begins from Moses. He says, you know, let me just even throw this one out there. You know, when you check the hope of the Christ yeah. in the Old Testament, what you notice is that the clearest scripture on his enthronement, this is what we say about his enthronement, the day God put him on the throne, yeah. that throne was not on the earth. Though. The Jews did not realize that. God said, sit at my right hand. How can a man be enthroned on God's right hand and be still beyond the earth? So if this man is bodily enthroned, then this man has to have come into a life that looks a lot like what Enoch has come into. That's why I said, ought not the Christ to have suffered and then to enter into glory. His glory was not the seat in Israel. His glory was at the right hand of God. And then his enemies were not going to be fully defeated. He says he will sit there until... So he was not coming to defeat his enemies. He was going to go into the throne. And then God would handle the enemies. So, so this is this is just this is me just allowing Psalm one ten, and whatever meditation will come out of that, to inform my view of this statement. You 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 get both. Yeah. And so if we jump here, if we go to what he told the disciples, so this is in verse um, verse forty four, the one you highlighted first. It's the same thing. See what he says. Then he said to them, "These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you." that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, in the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. All things must be fulfilled which were written in the laws. See, when you see in the laws of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, just say in the Bible, yeah. 
just say in the Bible. Because what that is, is just the three categories. It's called okay. the Torah, the Nevim, and the Ketuvim. Finish. Tanakh. Finish. Nothing. So it's the T, N, and K. Tanakh. So the Torah, the, the Nevim, and the Ketuvim. The, the laws of Moses, the prophetic books, and then the Psalms or the, or the writings. They call them the writings. And so he went into all of them. But this is what he was saying. He says, I told you while I was still with you that all things, not a few, not the ones I like. You saw the one that he did not like. When that time came, he said, not my will, but your own. He did not like that one. But that one was written concerning him. That one was part of what was divided. In the writing. And so he goes and he says this. He says in 46. So he opened up the understanding of them. Understand the scriptures in 46. He says, thus he says to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. Balado. Imagine if we come to this place. Yeah. Where we say, thus it is written and thus it was necessary. He says, everything that was written is, was necessary. Yeah. He said, this is how it was written. And so it was necessary that the Christ should suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And the remission of sin, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. He said, thus it is written and thus it was necessary. You know how many times... We are as believers, we see the us. What if we live that life with the sense that if it is written, let it be? Let it be. Yeah, let it be. Because you'll be hated of by, by all men for my namesake. Say, I go, I don't want that one. No. Give me another one happen. May I, let me be famous for you, Jesus. <laughs> let people love me for you. May I be your darling. People hated Billy Graham. Let no man fool you. you know and so what i begin to realize as we as we look at this is because they did not have a complete view of christ christ they didn't have a complete view of the christ a proper view of the christ when jesus christ was living out the full extent of what was written about the christ they were having a problem with him that's the reason why when he told peter i will die and peter says ah far be it from you my lord jesus said get thee behind me satan for you do not serve all the things that be of God. When Peter was, um, this is in Matthew, I, you can go to Matthew 26. You can just go to Matthew 26. We'll just look at this quickly. Okay. Matthew 26, verse 52. You can read it. Can read 52. Says, then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once? send me more than 12 legions of angels how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so so jesus was more interested in the scriptures yeah which was written concerning him, him. he was he was more interested in it being fulfilled, fulfilled. That it must happen see something the scriptures already said this is how it was happen that's what the scripture the scripture had already said this is how it must happen right yeah and so he, so Jesus, let me use the word. It says, "Toss it is written, and toss it is it was necessary." Abi, yeah. I will give you two illustrations. First one comes from Psalm six, Psalm forty, verse six, when he says, "In burnt offering and sacrifices, you have no pleasure, but the body you have prepared." That's that's the Septuagint. The the Masoretic text says, "Burnt offering and sacrifices you have, but my ears you have opened." It says, "In burnt offerings and in sacrifices for sins, you have no pleasure." 
He says, Lo. So let's let's just go there. That's you keep your finger in, in, in 54. So that's in Psalm 40, right? Yeah. In Psalm 40, verse 6. So so so, so we'll look at we'll look up about the, the exclamation of the Christ. The sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, my ear you have opened, burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins you did not require. Read verse 7 and 8. And it says, Then I said, Behold, I have come. The scroll of the book it is written of me. It delights to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. So he says, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. Yeah. And so when he's saying, when he says here, how then could the scriptures be fulfilled that, that has already said this is how it must happen? The scriptures has already said this is how it must happen. So how then would it be fulfilled if I call 12 legions of angels? Yeah. That part is not in the scroll. That part is not there. Now I can do it and he would at once provide. But that part is not there. So the question I will ask you now is, where was the part? Have you seen a part where he said that he must go into judgment and then he must be put to death like that? How do you, we can go to Isaiah 53. This is the beginning of our touching these things. Isaiah 53 verse 7. seven and eight actually nine are you there yeah i don't know how you will put it my king james always put in new king james or nsb puts it okay, okay video let me just say he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter like a sheep before its shearers is silent so he opened not his mouth by oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off that's the problem I have with that translation because it tries to just make sense of. yeah see what he says he says he was taken from prison yeah and from judgment and who would declare his generation and so when you begin to trace the pattern he was taken to the prison of the high priest parlor you know and then from there to the judgment hall of um, Pilate yeah because they could not do anything to him. So they just imprisoned him all night. They could not crucify him. And then they took him to the judgment hall of Pilate for judgment. And that's why it says, the chief priests and the elders would hand me over to the Gentiles to be killed. That's why he was speaking like that. No, that's why man. when I say I'm particular translation and issue, I'm just always, I'm just always, <laughs> I'm always like that. Yeah. But it's not because of anything. It's simply because of just um, I, I get trying to make me understand things. I get it, and I'm not against you trying to make me understand things. But it is really about um, Thomas. I just want to see what it is. How it just fits into the full scope. He says he was taken from prison, and then from judgment. And so, if you read one of the accounts, I don't know the one. That is the one in Mark eight verse thirty one or nine verse thirty one, where he says he says, and then they will take me from here and they will hand me back to the Gentiles, and I will be killed. You know, and I'll be killed. I'll be handed over. And so you, you, so you see how when Isaiah saw this in vision, saw this, saw this vision of of the Christ suffering, what he saw is, um, he says, and he saw that he was taken from prison. And then he was taken from judgment. That's what Peter said. That's what Isaiah saw. And Isaiah's problem with what he was seeing was that this guy was not opening his mouth. 
you don't understand why he did not defend himself in in um in in um front of the priest yeah and then why did not descend himself in pilot and isaiah was stunned at what he was doing Isaiah was shocked as he was oppressed he was afflicted yet he didn't open his mouth Isaiah was bothered by it as i said ah, because it's not god that is speaking yes Isaiah that is speaking no yeah. Isaiah is the one seeing this thing and saying it and so as i said he was led as a lamb to the slaughter I said, you've seen them take him. And as I said, as a sheep before a shearer is dumb, he's silent. He opens not his mouth. It almost feels like Isaiah wants him to shout. You're innocent. Shout. That's how he feels like Isaiah wants him to say, Papa, shout now. Say something. He says he was taken from prison and from judgment. And then who will declare his generation? They will kill him. Says for he was cut off from the land of the living. And this is what Isaiah says. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken to death. He was beaten to death. That's how Isaiah said it. He was cut off. He said, they made his grave with the wicked. Or literally, this is what it says. It says, and he made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death, was any deceit in his power. You now begin to see why Peter can say in his epistle that um, when he was reviled, he reviled not. When he did, he did not. He says, for there was no sin in him, neither was any guile found in his mouth. Isaiah saw it before it happened. And so Jesus, when he appeared on the road of Emmaus, was not willing to tell them, consider and say i am the christ see me i have risen that was not good enough for him because what does that do absolutely nothing absolutely nothing see balador knowing that elijah was taken up to heaven has not done anything for you you know all it has done for you it has told you elijah is a righteous man because there's nowhere in that is in that is translation that you are accounted for there was no promise that wow, when the first imagine if they told you now that um, the first person in your family to get a visa outside or the next person in your family to get a visa outside can carry out your family members because two already are outside the nation so your family already has a good report with european embassies that says the next or three and the next person that gets a visa automatically qualifies all your family for this thing now what will happen if mato gets visa tomorrow Instantly, you tell your wife, do you want to travel because the way has been opened already? Why? Because there's a word somewhere that's already giving you guys that, that count. But right now, if Mato gave visa, you clap for him and say, Mato, enjoy yourself. Because there's no promise that says in his getting visa, you are inside. And so Jesus was more interested in revealing to them the Christ. Why? Or his person in the Old Testament. Why? Because in his person in the Old Testament, the full import of God's riches and blessing and promise was already displayed. So that if we see him for who he really is, which is the Christ, we can lay hold on God, all that God has already promised in the Christ. We can. And so when he says, who is Jesus? 
But when we ask, who is Jesus? What we are really asking here is, who is the Christ? Especially for us, the Gentiles. Because when the gospel was given to the Jews, the only thing they had to teach them was, Jesus, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. That's how Peter taught it. But this was how they went on to preach it. They said, this Jesus is the Christ. That's what they preached. That's what they preached. But the problem with we who are Gentiles is that we don't even know who the Christ is. And so it's like telling me X is X or telling me X is Y. It makes no sense to me. If the, because the Jews already know what Y is, that Y is 1 million. When you tell them X is Y, they jump because it's 1 million they are hearing. When you tell the Gentile X is Y, it makes no sense because Y is like X too. We don't know what any of them means. You know? And so, when Paul was confronted by the orator in um, before Festus, I think that is in Acts 23 or 22, one of them, I think it's, you know, or 23, when he was, when he was, when he was there. And then the person came out speaking in very high sounding words, okay. you know, and then um, it was in 24. And the person was speaking, the orator came in and was speaking in high sounding words and trying to persuade them that um, this Paul is, is doing nonsense and a number of other things. And Paul began to speak to him plainly and he says, see, so see what he says. He says, um, then Paul, Paul, then Paul, this is Acts 24. So I'll just retreat quickly, verse 10 downwards. And so the, the person that said a lot of things had spoken ex, um, beautifully about, the guy's name was Tertullius. Tertullus was a, an orator. And he said, I said many things. He said, for we have found this man, um, a plague, a creator of dissension, just speaking big English. By examining yourself, we are certain a number of other things. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. You know, because Paul used to say nice things too. He said, Because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship, tying to when the Passover was or whatever it was, the feast we have it. And they neither found in me in the temple, they never neither found me in the temple disputing with another, nor inciting a crowd either in the synagogue nor in the city, nor can they prove that the things which they now accuse me of. He said, but this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers. See what he now says next. Believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just, and of the unjust this being so i myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards god and man so now after many years i came to offer arms and then he began to explain how they cut him you know and then he says he does and he visits but this is what he says he says see this way that they're accusing me of a sect he said i worship the god of my fathers believing all the things which are written in the laws and the prophets believing all of them and so, when he even ministered the same way in Acts 22, when Paul testified before, before Agrippa, you know, it was the same analysis. It was the same. It was the same way he presented. He said, to them I answered, it is not the custom of the Romans to... Okay, this is, this is um, what's his name? Um, Festus or Fel Festus explaining himself to 
to um, Agrippa. You know, and then Paul began to talk. When the accusers stood up, they couldn't even have anything to answer. So the next day, when Agrippa and Bernice has come up with great pomp, then Paul had to defend himself. So you find this in verse 24. It said, King Agrippa and all the men, it's 26, 20, 25, 24, rather. King Agrippa and all the men who had who were here present with us. You see this man and whom the Jews and okay. So Paul recounts his early life. This is in 26, verse 1 downwards. He says, I shall answer for myself before you. In 4, he says, my manner of life was always evident before everybody said, why should it be an incredible thing that God should raise the dead? You know, and, and so in verse 6, yes, 26, verse 6 is what I was going to. He said, he said, now I stand. He said, now I stand and I'm judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. He said, to this promise, our 12 tribes, endlessly serving God night and day, hoped to attain. For this is the hope, for this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused by the Jews. Say, so why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Why? And so when you check, when we check his his testimony before Felix, which was in the space of two years, and then ultimately Agrippa then was was in this other year. There was a space of two years between these two testimonies. When you see, when he was talking to the Gentiles, he said, see, Baba, guys, this is the hope that we had. This is the hope among the Jews that God will raise up, that God will raise up, will raise up the dead. There's a hope among the Jews that, that death is not the end of everything. So that, you see that in 24, where we read earlier, in 24. There's a hope, there's a hope amongst us in 24 verse 15. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of the dead both of the just and the unjust there will always there will be a resurrection it's the hope of the jews and so when he goes in 26 this is a two-year span and he was preaching to agrippa and then to festus the new governor when you check it what was his same testimony the same testimony and now i stand judged for the promise of our fathers this promise was to the 12 tribes which they stood before god hoping night and day and so how did you understand why christ would raise them from the dead because the gender does not hope of eternal life know what the christ and that's why when the gospel when paul preached the gospel, so, the gender, he paul always met us chapter 17 at the place paul of the resurrection about jesus as the christ that god would paul judge all men that judge god would judge all of us that there will be the hope there's the hope of the resurrection of the dead of the just and the unjust and Paul said, i strive to live a, a, with a conscious void of offense before god and men that's the hope and Jesus Christ, by his very resurrection, has revealed to us that that hope is not in vain. And that's why, like our last podcast said, that Christ is the first fruit of this hope. And so if he has passed the exam, I can live like he lived so that I will pass the exam also. That's the truth. Now, I know I said about how Paul, when he ministered to the Gentiles, he spoke a lot about, he spoke about the resurrection and not about the Christ. Yes, you can read the sermon in Acts chapter 17. He did not mention in Acts chapter 17, during the sermon, he didn't mention Christ once. Because Christ makes no sense to the Jews. And because this was the question, this was the question that they asked him. And then the people said, ah, he was always babbling. And so he, he says, he preaches, so in, verse, in Acts 17, verse 18 says then certain epicureans and stoic philosophers encountered him and some said what does this blah blah want to say others said he seems to be proclaiming a proclaimer of a foreign god because he preached to them jesus and the resurrection that was his message and so when he began to testify to them from verse 22 when he stood up 
See how he rounded up the message before the, the whole place scattered. He said, truly, truly. verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he would judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others says, we'll hear this later. Why does he talk to the Jews, the Gentiles, about the resurrection of the dead? Because the hope of the Christ ties back to it then. That's why. And so even if we missed the memo in between, it still ties back to Eden. That's where the hope begins. That's where it begins. <laughs> and so when we say, who is Jesus? I want us to see the Christ first. So that we can say, Jesus is the Christ. <laughs> the son of the living God. That was the only answer that Peter gave. And so when we see the Christ, then we would rightly say, Jesus, this one, is the Christ. Son of the living God. Then Jesus will look at us and say, Blessed are you, Valador, Bao, Jokojo. It says, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And that's where we end on this episode of Plainly Speaking with Baggy and Bralador. Trust that um, this was a good listen for you. Um, we, uh, this was like us being on the road to Emmaus and just um, unveiling and seeing um, Jesus um, in the Tanakh, in the Jewish scriptures. And that's what it is. Um, one of the things that stand out in this is that um, uh, more than anything, we need to see Jesus as the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, is the Messiah that the Jews had an expectation of, is the Jews were familiar with this profile of a Messiah. And that's going to be our journey. And um, from here, we are going to the beginning of the Jewish scriptures. We're going to Genesis and uh, we're going to be looking and finding the Messiah. And um, it's going to be a great journey. So if you're interested, please, we'll offer you to join us on this until the next episode we are examining who is jesus thank you for listening god bless you ever since i first heard of your strong faith in the lord jesus and your love for god's people everywhere I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. He's holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance i also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of god's power for us who believe this is the same mighty power that raised christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor 
at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler, authority, or power, or leader, or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself.